With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For 12-pack radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football. It is the home of the Beta Rank College Football Statistical Model, and we are a sharp college football podcast that is going into fall camp. Fall camp is here. We are excited to cover that next week because fall camp starts now we're going to look back and see what's going on to all the teams in the Pac-12. And today we are continuing our Pac-12 team previews. We're going to do UCLA. We're going to do Washington. But first we have some Pac-12 news to cover. We had our media day. We're not going to go through the 7,000 tweets that were the same quote. Which drives me nuts every year. It's like, you guys, you know, like, let's have one, you know, there can only be one Highlander when we're tweeting quotes for Pac-12 Media Day. Uh, to, but to break down some of the polls, some of the preseason teams, I'm joined as always by Rob Barron from Sharp College Football. What's going on, Rob? Oh, man, I, I am calling in, calling in from my hotel in, in Los Angeles before I, I head out for a work dinner. So Let no one say that we do not bring the noise when we're on the road. Uh, we have road games, too, and Rob is doing that right now. Uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. You can follow us on Twitter at 12-Pack Radio. You can look at all of our work at Sharp Co- all of Rob's work at sharpcollegefootball.com and um, at Sharp College Football's YouTube page where Rob is going through each team one by one, um, all the national top teams uh, going about to 30 this year. So if you want full statistical breakdowns of each team using advanced stats, check those out. Rob, we had media week. It is uh, fall camp. We are like 26 days away from the start of college football. I couldn't be more excited. And I'm looking at this this preseason media poll here. Let's go. Let's go through that. Let's go through that. We want to see what the media says here. Utah at 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 first place with 26 votes. Oregon in second place. USC in third, followed by UCLA. Oregon State at five, Washington at six. Disrespect the disrespect for the Huskies, Rob. Washington State at second, uh, at seventh. Stanford eight, Cal, ASU, Arizona, and Colorado in that order. That is what the media has deemed to be the uh, the the rankings of the Pac-12 at the end of the year. Uh, anything stand out for you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I thought. I, for starters, I think having Oregon State at number five was a little surprising. Um, you know, we've talked about this that the the defense. You know, I we we both thought they should have gone out, looked outside of the program to hire a new defensive coordinator. Um, you know, really try to figure out what they've been doing wrong um, outside of the program. And they didn't. They brought in. Um, you know, so they didn't bring someone in. They they promoted from within. Um, and, you know, there's I, I do think it's a little bit of a product that, and you often get this of like, oh, the quarterback's coming back like, you know, they should be good. But I, I think having them ahead of um, Washington, 
was interesting because I look, I mean, Washington has some holes um, and Washington's got a brand new coaching staff, but it's still a very talented team, you know, I think, um, you know, and I, and I think there's a legit question of like, maybe you'd even put Washington. I mean, I, I think they're neck and neck with Washington state really um, in a lot of ways. I also think Stanford might be a little high. <laughs> yeah. 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 Although I did, I did like, this is for next year. I did check the recruiting rankings for the last couple, uh, you know, months and Holy Moses Rob, like Stanford's still bringing in the noise on the recruiting trail, but I, I totally agree with you. Like they have the names, but they just haven't been able to put it together. I was with you. I think Cal should be ranked ahead of Stanford. Um, yep. and possibly ASU like that yes. ASU team is still a, a, like, look, the wheels could fall off. But the wheels have already fallen off Stanford. So, like, you know, it's one in the hand versus two in the bush. You know, I, I, I was surprised about that as well. I'm surprised. Look, I I had a little bit of a back and forth with somebody um, in in Twitter messaging um, that also covers college fo- that covers college football um, about ASU because I had tweeted out that I think the combination of Campbell, the new offensive coordinator coming in from UNLV. And Emory Jones is, is likely going to work on offense. I think their offense could be better than they were last season. And I think you're likely in for some defensive regression. Um, you know, I mean, they took it as like, hey, are, are you are you going to put money down on ASU bet, you know, beating their win total? And I'm, I'm not because I'm not sure where the defensive regression might sit. And I'm often much more interested in like what's going on with units than teams uh, as a whole. But the... Like ASU's win total is down. To, I, I looked. ASU's win total is down to five and a half. And if you we went over that schedule, there's like four almost guaranteed wins on there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's before you even get to Stanford. Um, and so I feel like it really does come down to like when do you think they're going to get their notice of allegations? Um. You know, and like, do they do they survive? What is a little bit of a rough stretch in the middle? But I don't know. I mean, like, there's some games that are definitely toss ups on there. But you can talk yourself. You can. I feel like you can almost easily talk yourself into five. I mean, because they've got Arizona, Colorado. Um, they've got an FCS team. They've got Eastern Michigan, I believe. I mean, there's four wins right there. They've got Stanford on the schedule this season. Um, there's some winnable games on there. Oh, ab- absolutely. I, I thought that was interesting that they were that far, that low. And again, like everything's relative, but when I believe when the ASU season win total came out, they were, uh, at seven and a half. So is either seven or seven and a half. So that, that win total has dropped at least yeah. a point and a half, which is, which is crazy. That's, that's a huge drop for a season win total. So I hear you there. Yeah. I, I, w- I was just looking at that. I have kind of the same things where I'm glad that everybody's giving Utah their due in the PAC 12 media, where the national media has already crowned USC as the, the na- national title <laughs> contender, much less yeah. the PAC 12 title contender. So uh, it was nice to see some um, tepid expectations there. I think we've all, we've all been burned before. We've all touched that stove many a time. Um, let, let's see what they're able to do, particularly, with that defense um yeah i thought oregon state was too high i would have washington um and washington state i'm, I'm with you i think oregon state and washington state I, I would like to see where both those teams end and then i'd have cal and asu higher than stanford so um our votes rob likely different who like are, would you cast your vote if, if you were voting for first place for utah as well 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I, I think that there are a lot of people really talking themselves into USC. <laughs> and um, look, I just, I'm not sold on, I'm not like, I think people are overselling the offense, uh, overselling doubts on the offensive line. And, and we've talked about that. Um, but I think people are underselling the defensive problems that they've had. Um, and I don't, I don't expect them like Utah is no joke, right? Like they finished at like, you know, their problems last season were overwhelmingly early before rising started. They were a very different team with him at QB. I, I mean, this Utah squad, uh, is coming into this season without a lot of obvious, I mean, without a lot of, like, there's no obvious weakness, uh, you know, with any of their units, they're not necessarily a complete enough team that they would, you know, like that they're going to go out and compete for a national title. Um, but they're certainly a complete, like the most complete team in the Pac-12 and, and have easily the fewest question marks. Um, USC, there are, I mean, there are some question marks. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of bodies they went and got out of the transfer portal that have to come in. Um, and they're going to have to play at a high level right away. Yeah, speaking of transfer portal here, too, when we're looking at USC, as we flip over to the All-Pac-12 team, Caleb Williams, first-team All-Pac-12, hasn't played more than, like, six games. Yeah. Um, and, and I get it, right? Like, I, I would vote for Cam Rising because I've seen it, and I've seen, like, I, I just – I feel like he had a more complete game, a complete season than Williams did, although Williams looked great. I think Williams has a higher upside, but I want to see him get there first. I would – I would be somebody that would want to bet on what I've seen before, but I get it. I get why he's first. The one that really surprised me was Mario Williams, the wide receiver at a USC. I think he was the transfer right from Oklahoma, like has not seen a snap. He's first team all pack 12 as a yeah. wide receiver in, in a, a conference that has some interesting wide receivers this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm actually with you. I mean, I thought rising certainly had like, look, I had Williams rated higher as a QB because I think he's just got a higher ceiling and I think he's going to make a jump from what we saw as a freshman. I think that is a totally reasonable expectation. That said, I think rising did enough on the field that he should have been first team, you know? Um, and I still expect rising to have a heck of a year, um, this season. And I don't, I mean, look, we can talk all we want about like, I think USC's offense is going to be really good. Utah's offense is also going to be really good. These should both be top 10 offenses. Um, and they're both going to get powered by their quarterback. You know, I just, I, yeah, I, I'm with you. Like I, like Williams will eventually probably end up being the better college QB overall. But like, I thought rising should have gotten the nod. Um, yeah, Mario Williams was an interesting one there. I mean, like you can't, you have to have Jordan Addison on there. Of oh course. yeah, the, oh yeah. The reigning, the reigning Bolitnikov winner. Um, the the pouting Jordan Addison, by the way, if, if I am to believe the stories about his NIL deal, but but right. still. <laughs> I mean, Mario Williams, like, but I mean, like Jake Bobo made the All Pac-12 team, and it's just like, I mean, that that one, all of a sudden, you're like, when Jake Bobo gets on there, you're kind of like, oh man, like we are a little, like the conference is a little thin, <laughs> wide receiver. <laughs> I, you know, I'm surprised though, like, and and I guess this is, I'm, I, they're, I'm, they're proving my point here, the media, where it's like, you would think that one of the wide receivers from Washington state would get on here, but which one, right? Like somebody's right. going to catch a lot of those passes. I would assume right. it'd be the wide receiver that they brought over from um, incarnate word, but maybe not. Um, 
the one where the one that really surprised me to again to your like yeah i saw bobo on here at second team i'm like what like what, what the heck where, well, where, no, i mean and, and jake yeah and jacob cowing make, makes it i mean he look i mean he was the one i mean it's a little bit under the radar transfer but one of the best gets in the pac 12 as far as transfers go um but if you look at it like three out of the four wide receivers are transfers into the conference yeah i you know that i think washington has a couple wide receivers that have promise and in that kalen DeBoer offense yeah i just can't imagine yeah. that somebody isn't going to step up and be excellent and and make a couple of these wide receiver picks look a little silly I don't think Stanford, I don't think Cal's going to do it on the wide receiving front, but you know, maybe Oregon also, right? You have Bo Nix coming in, you have a new offensive system. Um, we, we've kind of done Stanford's going to have somebody at Stanford. I think, I mean, I think their offense is going to be better than they were last year. I think somebody steps up wide receiver. Like they were really down at wide receiver last season. Yeah. It'd be nice to, to see. And, and the talent is there from a pedigree standpoint. Yeah. So um, yeah, that that threw me off a little bit. When we're looking at the running back, Zach Charbonnet, Tavion Thomas, I think is is that would be my one two also. Yeah. Um, the second team, Travis Dye and Byron Cardwell. Eh, I mean, like I'd have to think. I'm trying to think of who would who else would step up though. I mean, like, I mean, obviously Dye. It's funny because I'm like throwing Dye under the bus when Dye was like an excellent excellent running back last year. Um, yeah, it's just transitioning that to being the best running back in the conference uh, at U- at USC. Well, we'll see. Now that's probably why he's second team. Anybody else pop out when it comes to the... I mean, I think it's interesting because, like, Cardwell basically makes it as, like, the, like, like, all right, he's at Oregon. He's probably going to be the person getting the snaps, right? Like, yeah. you could also have easily put in, hey, who's going to be getting the snaps at Oregon State? At Oregon State, exactly. Because, right. yeah. <laughs> um, Mike, I would not at all be surprised if your feature back for the Beavers actually ends up with better numbers um, than Cardwell does this year. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon is not spreading more snaps around. Yeah, and I love the fact, by the way, that you have two Oregon State offensive linemen on yes. the second team all packed. So I'm yes. like, hell yeah. All right. <laughs> like, let us recognize the, un- like we are, we are huge fans. Uh, Mahal check. Like, let us recognize the most underrated great coach in the pack 12. Yeah. I mean, like Jackson Kirkland made it for like, you know, whatever, like his like seventh or eighth year in a row or something like that. <laughs> like- uh, Ladarius Henderson. Also, I was excited to see him on that list. I mean, yeah. of course you have the Utah and the Oregon guys. It's funny. Like we didn't talk about probably the best alignment, but like, you know, th- those were expected those teams to be on there, but it was nice to be able to see um, some, some of the hipster picks make it on here, you know, moving over to defense real fast. Uh, I'm kind of looking over this here. You know, Ron Stone Jr. at Washington State, defensive line, I thought was interesting. Um, yeah. It's it's interesting that Van Fillinger, the the Utah um, uh, defensive end, is on here. He hasn't really played uh, much, so I'm curious to see where he's at. Right. Um, it's nice to see Brett Johnson. I'm looking at the lines here. You know, obviously ZTF is on here, Junior Tafua, some of the Utah guys. Uh, but it was cool to see Brett Johnson. He he's been out of position for the last like two years, and he got in a car accident. So um, it's nice to see him back on here as like a legit. Um, I think they're throwing him over to the end, so he he could be really good for Cal this year. Uh, yeah. Anybody else on the line that that's interesting? I mean, Kyan Barr is at Arizona. I mean, like if he's back and healthy, people actually expect pretty big things out of him too. I mean, oddly enough, like I think he's going to finish on a roll mention, which is fine. Like if you're an Arizona fan, that's like you're telling me that there's not another defensive tackle. 
<laughs> no, but I mean that, that, that's where we're at in the conference, though. Like defensive tackle is like, I mean, um, that was Washington's problem last year. You know, like there's there's been some underperformance, I think, particular inside. Utah hasn't quite been there where they've been in years past. Um, you know, Kyan Bars, like, like I I wouldn't be surprised. Like he he, you know, if it weren't for the injury, I think he'd be. Get, like he's getting talked about. I think that's and and rightly so. Like uh, on what was a still a very bad defense last season, he was a bright spot. Our our friend Hithliday is fuming, fuming when we're taking a look here and we're seeing Jackson Sermon as a uh, first team All Pac twelve <laughs> linebacker, which I think it's I kind of laughed out loud when I saw that. I thought that was pretty ridiculous. Merlin Robertson, who yeah. had a great freshman year, but I mean, and maybe maybe this is a testament to. Um, where the conference is, but I think it's a travesty that like, and I like get it right. We haven't seen, we haven't seen any of the Utah linebackers play, but right. like I would put, I would put a, a Utah linebacker in front of Sermon or Merlin Robertson. Like Robertson really needs to show that he has right. what, what we saw his freshman year. Well, and uh, you know, or, or Spates at Oregon state, like he's going to put up big numbers, but it like part of his numbers are just that like the defensive line has been atrocious in front of him and he's just cleaning up behind them. Yeah. And if we're forgetting like, you know, your team's linebacker, that is pretty good. Our apologies. But like, I mean, we're looking at a, a Hawaii transfer to UCLA's defense as being second team all pack 12. Like that, that makes that's, that frightens me. I'm, I'm not happy about that. Yeah. I mean, like, but in the DBs, like, I thought, uh, like, I mean, of course, you got some expected names there, but I like the thing that immediately jumped out at me was the two Colorado transfer corners made second team as well. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, out. Oh, that is awful. Um, but I like, if, but you look at it, like, I, you know, Jaden Grant and, and Wright from Oregon State, like, I'm not sure they really belong on there. No, no, I'm worried about that. Uh, I. You know, Daniel Scott from Cal, I think is interesting. Um, and maybe I have to reassess Cal's secondary. I, I know they've had a good one in the past, but I mean, has that, has that been a name and maybe it's on us that's popped up even once? <laughs> like, no, not really. Uh, I mean, I mean, like he, he you know, playing safety. PFF has him as the second highest rated safety. Maybe just, maybe just Cal was just kind of not, I mean, we watched a lot of Cal football, but. I don't know. I mean, here's the thing that everyone should remember. Uh, and I, I say this is like, I, I mean, I am friends in real life with the lead data scientist at PFF. <laughs> but like the the PFF numbers that they get from the scouting, those are not opponent adjusted. Um, oh, okay. right. So like the if somebody's like the, the individual player grades are done off of like they have a uh, they have a couple of guys that each watch like in total rotate so they'll have a couple of scores for the same film um but it's not adjusted for opponent and cal didn't really face any great i mean cal didn't face any great great passing off i mean this is like um pff has azizi hearn who transferred from i believe being a walk-on at arizona to wyoming and played in a pretty good group of five Wyoming defense. Um, but he's like one of the highest graded cornerbacks in the Pac-12 next season. Oh, I don't believe that but, for a second. Right. But I, you and I have actually physically seen him play in person. <laughs> and, and he's not like, like those grades are of him against Mountain West level competition. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, you know, it's just interesting to, to keep a look and seeing who's on here. Yeah. One thing I should also mention, or Oregon fans are going to flip out, is that like it looks as if the um, the the coaches embargo on on giving any Oregon players any attention has finally been lifted now that Mario Cristobal's out of the conference. Yes. <laughs> so I do want to note that. So it seems like they're back in, and the, and and I guess the last thing for me is it's it's exciting to see like new teams in here, right? You have a lot of Oregon state players, a lot of Arizona, but not a lot, but like some Arizona players. um, And uh, I mean, like a lot of UCLA, USC, Utah, which you would expect, but it's nice to see a little bit of a resurgence from the bottom. Um, I don't see any Colorado players on here. There's only one Washington state. Like I, I just can't, I can't fathom that this Washington state team won't have at least two players on here. Um, by the end of the year, I think it'll be at the wide receiver position and then either one player on defense or um, or the quarterback. Like, I think the quarterback could possibly really well, if he's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. Like, I'm excited for the end of your team, too, because I think you're, it'll it will still be an interesting mix. Um, and I think we're going to have some players emerge. But I'm also like I'm really interested and excited to see like what who makes the Pac-12 all freshman team? Um, because I think there's some going to be some really good, interesting names. Yeah. 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 No, that's really, really interesting to see. I think it'll be, there's some emerging players that should pop up on the field and we're excited to cover them. Let's, let's get into our previews here, Rob. We have uh, Washington and we have UCLA and let's do it right after this. All right, we're back. We're doing previews, team previews. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I went back and listened to our, our first preview. If you haven't listened to it yet, we did ASU. And we did Utah. And it's a good preview. It's fine. Like, we went through all the teams and stuff. But, you know, I kind of want to switch it up a little bit. I want to get too gimmicky with our previews here, Rob. So, what we decided to do here was uh, we're going to take a look position by position for all these teams. But rather than give them, like, an NCAA football grade, we're just going to – we're going to – say whether we think that each unit is a strength or a weakness and just talk through that. And I, and I specifically made these vague so that we maybe we can have a little bit of disagreement on this stuff or just to give it a little bit more uh, to flush it out because a strength for one team might not be a strength for another team. Um, and, you know, like a, uh, like a good quarterback for ASU is, is we're going to rate that differently than a good quarterback for Oregon or USC, right? Like right. just to kind of keep things a little bit different. And then we're going to walk through this stuff and go through the schedule and stuff. Full disclosure, full disclosure on this stuff. My my preseason stuff, pretty good. Much better in season as we're looking at these teams and we're adjusting. So do not bet on what we are saying to start because uh, we've had some wild I've, – I've more had some wild takes. Uh, you know, Charlie Brewer, uh, Kevin Semlin being good at Arizona. So just like I, I want to admit my mistakes, but you know, we do follow this conference so close and it's so exciting to go through and start projecting and taking a look at what these teams are. But if we're going to miss something, like I'll own up to it, stay with us because as we get into the season, we're, we're watching these games closely. We have the advanced statistics that we're breaking down this stuff so really we get sharper as the season goes along which is kind of the point and it just means that we're adjusting and going through stuff um so <laughs> but i do think it's fun to do this rob do you want to start with ucla or do you want to start with washington no we, let's start with the bruins okay um let's start with the quarterback uh dude dtr was good last year right yes <laughs> yeah. uh, i mean so and, and like so i should i should start right away 
I don't know whose decision it was not to have him at, at uh, the Pac-12 media day. I would assume it's Chip Kelly because I don't trust yeah. that guy further than I could throw him. Um, plus, you know, you finally have a quarterback. And I know that that DTR and um, and Kelly haven't been getting along, like, you know, and his father, right? like, since he got there. Um, but I thought last year was was really a step forward. And, and it was the primary reason that, you have UCLA uh, out. I mean, like DTR is the reason, along with the, the the play calling by Chip Kelly, but you need a quarterback to execute that. That Chip Kelly got a freaking extension, right? That guy was like on the yeah. chopping block. And here comes DTR, 62% completion rate, 8.5 yards per pass, 21 touchdowns, six interceptions, 609 running uh, rushing yards with nine touchdowns. Like legit one of the best quarterbacks in the Pac-12 last year and will continue to be this year even as the the uh, the the tide has been rising, there's been a lot of uh, an influx of talent at the quarterback position, and you still have to count DTR there. I thought it was crazy that he wasn't at Pac-12 Media Day. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he's able to do um, in, in this new offense with some pieces that probably aren't going to be as good as we saw last year. Do you think that's the case? Yeah, I mean, look, I think he's flying under the radar nationally too. I mean, a, a friend of mine that does advanced stats um, tweeted out. A question about who is going to be better in, in in the coming year, Spencer Sanders or DTR? And I'm just like, these are not comparable. No, right? Like these are <laughs> these are these are not in, like. But part of it is is like people genuinely, I think, don't understand. And like you and I have made all of the DTR jokes that you can make. There are no there are no easy DTR or hard DTR jokes to make that we have not made, <laughs> and, and he made significant improvement last season. Um, they, I mean, they were the number eleven offense overall in Beta Rank last season. They were still a, you know a running offense, but he was a big part of that. They were at number six in effective rush, forty three in effective pass. You know, with and they're like he's doing this without great wide receiver talent for sure. Um, you know, I really, I mean, I, I, like, I, like, I just, I'm, I'm flummoxed that people are not more in, uh, like, cause I mean, we should, you know, I think this UCLA offense is going to be good next season again. And I think he's going to be a big part of that. Yeah. I, I just can't help myself, Rob. So like, yeah, I, we're in agreement. Like, I think the quarterback is like a total strength of, of this program and it's been really fun to see what he's been able to do. I, um, I can't help myself. I bet the under again on UCLA. I just don't trust the defense will get there. But I, I 100% agree that the the offense should be good. And and part of it, too, is because of the running back position. I mean, Zach Charbonnet was a beast, and he was a tank, and he was on that field all of the time. And, yeah, he had Burton Brown behind him, but, like, Charbonnet really just – I mean, like, th- this is – I think we crap on Kelly a lot, Chip Kelly, but – for Zach Charbonnet to go from Michigan with like a little bit of fanfare, but not a ton, and then come to UCLA and just be a workhorse and just really show what he's able to do and some of the schematic stuff that Kelly's doing, that makes me excited. Like that, that's kind of that's why I'm like sad that that this conference is is going to break apart, <laughs> or maybe it won't. But like, because things like that, like stories like Charbonnet coming from a big school coming down to UCLA, you know, having an offensive coordinator that can put him in the system. Um, I think he's a strength. I'm curious. Like, I'm looking at my depth chart in terms of who's behind him, and I, uh, <laughs> I mean, like, I, is it Ethan? Is it Ethan Garbers? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's or DTR. Right, they move him into that slot. Um, I think, I oh, think, no, behind Charbonnet. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it might be DTR. I don't, uh, because it's a little bit thin. But, um, I mean, I, I just think, right, is he, like, 
there's a reason that he's first team all Pac-12. I think he's an absolute like strength of this program. I think he's going to be awesome this year. Yeah, I mean, he's going to get the majority of the carries, right? Um, and maybe it's Casimir Allen behind him now. I mean, he's been he's been mostly like a change of pace, speed back. So yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, I think that there's definitely there's definitely some like, but I like I would also say like I don't I don't think. I don't think this offense is going to, like, if he were to get injured, I think that someone, they, they will have someone that they will get something out of in the running game. I, I hope so. I'll, I'll have to go back and dig in the depth chart because, like, our depth chart goes, like, too deep usually. And for some reason, we didn't have it on this one for the show. I, I'd like to say, because I, I have heard the name Casimir Allen since he was a freshman, and yeah. I haven't seen it. Like he's just the the production hasn't been there, right? He has the track speed. I know there's a lot of talk out of the UCLA camp about Allen being, you know, they're going to put him in that uh, Dimitri Felton kind of position. I want to see it. I don't trust it. Um, and you know, if if they have him, you know, carrying and passing at the same time, he just needs just the production hasn't been there for me to really buy into that yet. And then when you yeah. take a look at like the wide receiving core, um, and like I guess we can combine that with the tight ends. Like I think. I think this is a weakness. I, I think Kelly's going to find one person that he likes. That's really nice. And it to will him. be a tight end. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, like Michael Aziki, uh, Aziki, I think the, I think he was the Miami transfer. I mean, like you got beat out by a, now Dulcich was awesome. Like, and, right. and really was targeted. And I, I think that Kelly really tried to do things to get him the ball, but, I want to see what I want to see another tight end step forward in that. And when you have like Jake Bobo, the transfer from Duke and Logan Lola, like I'm out, I'm out on this wide receiving core. I'm sure Kelly's going to find um, some way to get the offense moving, but I don't think this is as strong of an offense as you saw from last year. And the only thing that's going to drag it, you know, to a better position, I think is DTR and, and his ability to, to be creative and, and continue to grow as a quarterback. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like you might see somebody like Jack Peterson get in there. I mean, that's a freshman, um, you know, coming in. Um, but he's, you know, he's been one of their better, I mean, he's one of their better signings that they've had. Um, and he's a tight end, but yeah, they're certainly like, they're like, I mean, we've talked about like, we feel comfortable that they'll find somebody to make it work at tight end, but you know, the way the offense has worked, it really does have to, because at wide receiver, they have not been a threat for, you know, in, in Kelly's entire tenure. And I, I would argue his entire tenure, even at Oregon, right? Like you, you have, yeah. you have people that he'd move around and do stuff, but primarily the wide receivers are the blockers and you have these big bodies. It's always so funny because at Oregon, sometimes they'd have these four-star wide receivers. Um, and there weren't a lot of them, but when they're there, you go like, oh my gosh, that guy is a monster. And then he's just blocking, like he doesn't do anything right. else on the court, on the field. So yeah, I think that that's interesting. And then, I mean, like moving to the offensive line, I think this is a weakness, Rob. And I, um, you know, they lose their, their offensive line coach who I think we right. were a little worried about. Right. Wasn't, uh, didn't he go there? Like we thought more, he was a, a recruiter, but he, I thought that, no, line no, that was their old coach that I'm, he's at Cal now. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But the line last year I thought was fine, but I thought they were good. I like, like the one thing I want to call out about UCLA's line is like, you remember when Kelly landed there and they had no depth and they're like moving dudes back and forth from like offensive line to defensive line and back and everything. It largely worked. I think the coaching was really good. And I think, 
I think I think the offensive line will be I don't know that they'll be as good, but I think they'll be fine this year, but I'm a little worried about the year after. Yeah, that's true. And like I yeah, that first year Kelly or it was two years before everybody was calling for his head, right? And they're like yeah. basically the um the depth chart was a giant clown face, you know, like yeah. on a piece of paper. And it actually wasn't terrible. So I think you're talking me off a little bit off of the cliff, but when it comes to the tackles, they did lose some guys. Like they lost some guys to the NFL. Yeah, and you know Raquan O'Neal, the transfer from uh, from Rutgers, who, uh, and I've heard this from multiple shows where you know O'Neal was a four-star tackle, but a lot of teams passed on him, and UCLA ended up taking him. Now pass on him as a transfer, watching his film and saying, "Now we're out." Um, right. He's the starting left tackle that's penciled in. And Garrett uh, DiGiorgio is is shaky on the right side, too. Uh, you know, they they have a converted defensive lineman that's like second, you know, second of the depth chart. So we've seen this before and it's often worked out. But I do not have the same trust in this offensive line that I have, like in Utah's linebacking core, you know, where you like you don't see right. no, you don't know who it is, but it's going to be fine. I think this might be a year where. If you don't have the wide receiving talent, you don't have the the tight end like Greg Dulcich, like if Ezekiel doesn't like step up or you don't have like a freshman step up, that you could see a regression down to like, I mean, it's not going to be a bad offense, but it could probably be like a, a top 20 offense if, if things don't really right. come together. No, no, I think that's right. I mean, I think that there's, when you look at the potential, I mean, like, you know, they have been so tight end dependent in the passing game. Um, the offensive line was really good last season, you know, like, and, and they do have some losses there. The, the coach is probably your biggest loss, um, to the Buckeyes. Um, there is, there, there is a chance for some offensive regression from 11 to maybe finishing closer to 20. And if that, if that happens that I think we're, we're in some problems here. Um, I just want to take a look. I'm pretty sure it's Tim Drevno is the, is the offensive line coach. And that frightens me. You know, freaking UCLA. They still haven't updated their their roster. But yeah, here Tim Drevno promoted. Like Tim Tim Drevno, that, no bueno, right? Like he he was over at uh, USC and was kind of a disaster. Like if you ask any USC fan, did you enjoy your time with Tim Drevno? Everybody say like, no, no, that was an awful road trip. <laughs> so uh, I think yeah. that could be a problem. Yeah, he's an interesting one. Like he, you know, like he. He did it. I mean, he was, he wasn't really good. At, he was not good at USC, um, in a lot of ways. He wasn't great at Michigan, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, and like before that he was in the NFL, you know, like, um, you know, with the Niners, I, I mean, look, here's like, I will say, I think, I think this is true up to like, although like Ryan Day, fired his offensive line coach. Now he inherited him from the urban Meyer regime. But like, I do think like, we'll see chip, chip Kelly and Ryan day generally know offensive line. I think their, their systems are more run heavy, but I, I do think drug knows a downgrade. Um, and it is, it is a bit of a worry. Now he likely has hopefully picked a few things up since his last time he was an offensive line coach. Um, we'll see. Yeah, I think you're right, though. Like, they have filled in holes multiple times. And, like, this is the fourth year in a row where we're like, I don't know about this offensive line. It looks pretty crappy. And then, you know, like, it's, it's fine. So I, I, I do hear you on that. I still think, yeah, man, you might have talked me off of this being, like, a weakness. I think it might just be fine. 
I don't, I don't think like I don't think the offensive line like I think I don't they they will likely not be as good as last year. I still think they're probably a pretty good offensive line in like the Pac-12, right? Like Yeah, keep a look out for those tackles. That's that's my big worry, but I, yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right there. Like I th- like they could be a, like a like a really interior, you know, focused offensive line. Um and like I will say again, like you pointed out from Oregon like Chip Kelly, if you want to get on the field as a wide receiver for Chip Kelly, you got to like, this is like the Rich Rod days, like at Arizona, like you got to block, yeah. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> you are not getting on the field unless you're throwing blocks. Um, and so like, the, you know, like part of what makes UCLA successful running outside is that their wide receivers do a really good job blocking um, for sure. I'm like, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not sold on Bobo and I'm not, I'd be shocked if he makes the pack any of the end of season pack 12 teams. Yeah. Shipping over, uh, shifting over to the defense here. I mean, this is the bigger worry. I think, I think you know, worst case scenario for UCLA, like, you know, the tackles suck. Um, Zach Charbonnet gets hurt. They, they, a tight end doesn't really fill that role that you saw Greg Dulcich. I still think it's a top 25 offense. Like, you know, <laughs> so, right. you know um, but on the defensive side, they were pretty bad last year, Rob. Uh, where did they end up? Where did they end up? It was better than I thought, but it was still bad. Yeah, so they finished out at 58 overall in beta rank. Um, where they really struggled was drive efficiency. You could put up points against them. Like They they gave up a lot of long drives for points. Um, they were 54 in effective rush, 69 in effective pass. Um, and they, yeah, I mean, like, and they really, too, I mean, they have some, and they finally, finally got rid of, Jerry Azanaro. Santa Claus himself. Finally gone. But they brought in like a guy who's got the exact same resume. <laughs> they they got rid of they got rid of uh Waluigi to bring in Wario, you know, like right. <laughs> No, I I think it's a disaster, right? Like Bill McGovern. I mean maybe it's not, but um I think well a couple things, right? So first they were talking about UCLA, the defensive coordinator, as the secondary coach really being the one calling the plays. But it was still not good. Like fifty-four. I mean, for people that haven't listened before, like Rob, maybe talk talk through. Like we we don't grade these these Power Five teams on a one to one hundred and thirty basis, right? It's 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 more right. Like, yeah. Like if you like you like a, a good rule of thumb is like you grade Power Five teams on a one to sixty-five scale, right? So like that's a bad Power Five defense. Um, now there are you are going to find sprinkled even worse like Stanford's defense or Arizona's defense or Colorado's defense. They're going to put up even worse than this or Oregon State, but this is still a really bad defense. Um, you know they gave up just in raw numbers better than you know two. They gave up two and a quarter points per drive. Um, you know last season they and they 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 gave up on like to give you an idea of like what helped contribute to this. The, the the third down conversion rate for offenses against UCLA was almost forty five percent. Let's go, bonkers! <laughs> keep those chains moving, baby. Let's go. I mean, like you can just keep moving, and they like look. They they've brought in a lot of transfers. Yeah. Um, you know, to try to to try to restock this defense, but like we talked about this, like. You know, like even like you know, and every everybody and their mother wants a you know transfer along the offensive line or defensive line. 
But even like UCLA and USC, like they're really reaching down there sometimes, like on some of these transfers. Like you're, you're, you mentioned like Raquan O'Neal, um, you know, or like Gary Smith coming in here, right? Like, I mean, Duke was god awful last year. You know, like they got a Harvard transfer, Jacob Sykes, um, Azizi Hearn, you know, from Wyoming, former walk on from Arizona. Because I, be- I believe he might have had a scholarship. I don't know. He shouldn't have had a scholarship. <laughs> he played like a walk-on, but he had full scholarship. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean there's, like, there's some guys like they like. It feels like they they really did take a like, oh, we need some bodies approach, right? Like into the and you know they got the Murphy brothers from North Texas um, that are eligible immediately. Like there's some there's some I, I just like in some ways this feels it's not quite they weren't the disaster that USC's defense was last season but i mean it does feel a little bit like like that like there is a it's like a like a shift change in hockey there's a, there's a lot of new bodies coming in that they're they're just kind of hoping like something sticks like they're going to throw a bunch of bunch of stuff at the wall yeah i like going going position by position i'm not as worried about the defensive line I think it's going to be a strength for them but it's not going to be like it's going to be a strength for a UCLA defense that hasn't been recruiting right. at the level that um that sh- you know frankly should be recruited I mean like uh Bud Elliott was talking about how the the approach basically for UCLA is like going back to we're going to find we're going to we're going to find those three-star players and and coach them up I'm like well uh good luck with that I think a lot you of are t- UCLA yeah yeah <laughs> A world-class institution, um, an amazing brand in Westwood. We're going to go after those three stars, y'all, even though we're in Los Angeles. It's ridiculous. But I do think the Murphy brothers from, I think they came from North Texas, are pretty good. Um, Jay Toya was that that five-star defensive tackle that ended up going from USC to UCLA. I'm a little worried about him because just the, the reports out of camp from him are he's he's working his way through. And... You know, normally when you bring a player of that caliber, it's like, wow, this guy's awesome. And I am not hearing that. But that doesn't mean, like, you know, will Jay Toya be as good as, like, Keon Bars? Probably. Like, I would would assume that's the case. Um, And when you pair him with, like, Martin Andrus or, like, I, I just... I think it's fine. Like I don't know. What, what do you think? Do you think the 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 line's going to be a benefit to them? Is this a strength, or are you are you worried? Yeah, I mean, look, I th- they could be better than they've been, certainly at the edge, right? And I wouldn't be surprised if one of the Murphy brothers ends up at some like hybrid, you know, linebacker position as well, where they're going to rush a lot. And and maybe that is like, but one of the things that really stood out for this UCLA defense for me last season was they did get a little bit better against the pass. But, and you can attribute that to the, you know, maybe the the guy they brought in from Navy to help clean up in coverage. Um, they got a little, but they, they weren't as good against the run. And that had been primarily built off the interior of their run defense. Um, you know, having some guys, some dudes that could play two gap. Um, and they really didn't have that last season. Um, and that's where I think, I'm, I'm interested to see because they're going to have to have somebody step up um, if they're going to stay, you know, in, in you know, and really need somebody to play two gap instead of a one gap scheme. That's right. I remember that was the strength, and we were like, "LOL!" Anytime Utah or a team, a team that like, yeah, like when somebody be like, "Oh, like we're going to play UCLA, let's run A and B gap," and I'm like, "Why? 
Like bang your head against the wall. Like knock yourself out. Like Cincinnati, right? Luke Fickle's team. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the linebacker is Bo Calvert. I'm going to need to see it. They bring in Darius uh, Muasau, who from Hawaii, who was really good on that team. And it seems like, you know, I kind of I kind of pooped on him a little bit at the beginning of the podcast, but it's possible that he's pretty solid and he comes in and actually really like he seemed to be a standout at Hawaii and Ali Kaho, um, who sure, whatever. Like, I don't think this is a strength. Like maybe you get one guy that's able to, to tear it up, but I'm just worried about that unit in general. And it's kind of been like that for frankly, since Kelly's been here, he's recruited a lot of linebackers and they all suck or like, or there's years where he recruits none. And we're like, wait, what's going on? Like, it just seems like his roster management has been up and down. Um, what what do you think? Do you think that, that they're going to step up and be a strength here? No, I mean, I I think they will be fine ish. You know, like I just, I mean, it's like you go through here and you're like, Chip Kelly required or didn't recruit Miles Jack. He recruited Miles Jackson, right? You're just like, there's just not, there's not, there's not like, there's kind of like the facsimile of like really, really talented players here. There's just not, and like, I'm not, I'm not sold on all of these transfer grades that we see here, like really working out, right? Like a lot of these grades are coming against lower level competition. Yeah. And then on the secondary, I, I also think this is a weakness. You know, Devin Kirkwood, the cornerback, is pretty good. But, um, yeah, they got a little better against the secondary. But when you have, again, like to your point, when you have Azizi Hearn as, like, your nickelback, you know, penciled in, and your your second corner is up in the air, and your safeties were, you know, like, you know, I, I wasn't that impressed with the safeties last year. I just think that they're going to give up a lot of points through the air. And the only saving grace is like, is this Navy secondary coach going to be able to, you know, get with that, with that second album that he dropped? Like, is he going to be able to, you know, make it better than the first one? Cause the first one wasn't that good either. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure that he gets like that Navy secondary also was really bad. Um, I'm just not sure that they're going to get there. Um, and it, a lot of it is going to depend on the play calling. I mean, look, they could continue to get like a little better defensively, right? Like I, what I don't see out of this team is suddenly becoming like a top 30 defense, right? Like maybe they could, maybe they could creep into like the high forties, right? Like, and I think that if that, that is reasonable improvement over time. Um, But I, I agree with you. I think I, I'm not sure that this offense gets to where they were last season, um, you know, so it could end up just being a little bit in the wash. Yeah. I mean, I think if, if they get to the high forties, I would be, I would be shocked, but I would be surprised that that's, that's where their ceiling is. I mean, if they get to the low forties, I think maybe, you know, and like, I, the, what's the difference between 49 and 45? Sometimes it's not a lot, but not a lot. Yeah, no, just, just bursting through and making a leap, I guess is what I'm saying. I, I would be surprised if that's the case. I still think the second, this, uh, well, the secondary and the defense is still going to be pretty bad and, and maybe they're able to get there. I guess we should go to their schedule because it's like tissue paper thin here this year. Um, Bowling green, Alabama state and South Alabama to start the year. Any worries there? Alabama state shaking you and your boots here, Rob? No, I mean, they should, they should start out, you know, with, with, they should start out with three. I mean, this is like this. This is a disgrace. This like <laughs> this is like this is the non-conference schedule Arizona should be playing, not UCLA. Yeah, yeah, they uh, should flip with Colorado, right? Like that would yeah. be. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So they'll yeah they if they finish anything less than three and zero like with with massive wins then they are in deep trouble. Now look the South Alabama team, I will say, Kane Womack is the head coach. They've been quietly improving. He was the defensive coordinator at Indiana and pretty good. He hired Major Applewhite as his offensive coordinator, um, who maybe shouldn't be the offensive coordinator at a like blue blood, but is a pretty good overall college football OC, um, I would just keep an eye out. Like, I'm not saying, like, if, if anybody was going to potentially put a little bit of a scare in them, it'd be South Alabama. Okay. And then, you know, right, like the, the season win total for them, I think, is eight and a half. So looking through the Pac-12 schedule, what are the, what are those, like, cornerstone games here that, that UCLA fans should be looking out for to get them over under that threshold? I mean, the games, I mean, it's going to be the games that, like, are, are kind of up in the air, like Washington. You know, Washington, they're going to need, like, wa- like Washington, Arizona State, um, USC, and Cal, right? Like, those the, like those games, like, if you're going to get to your season win total, because, you know, Utah's, I think that one's going to be out of reach. Oregon, I'm not, I, like, I, I really do expect Oregon's defense to be a lot better. So I, I I think Oregon is probably like it should probably be a, a, a decent sized favorite by the time that game rolls around, right? Um, you know, and like you're, I, I think that they're probably going to be a bigger favorite over Stanford, you know, than maybe we have them projected at right now. Um, but the, the, the you know it's the games that like might be close because like you're gonna you're gonna be three and zero, you're gonna beat Colorado, you know. Um, you're probably, I mean, you're going to beat Stanford. You're going to beat Arizona. And then, you know, then comes like the make or break game. I mean, there's the, then the, the rest of your schedule is like the make or break game. Like you need to pick up, you know, like if you want to get to a better win total, get to eight wins, like you're going to have to, you're going to have to, you know, win some of those toss ups. Yeah. Washington and Cal. I, I think I think it's possible ASU just the wheels come off by the time UCLA gets yeah, them. Yeah, that's if, true. If you want to get that team, you want to get them. Er, you want to get them later. But um, that sneaky Cal game after that USC game it just scares the tar out of me for UCLA. Like, and it's at Cal, right? They beat USC. It's a letdown. They lose to USC. They're already in a bowl. Like that just that that's that's worrisome. And then Utah, I think, or I'm sorry, in Washington, that Washington game is going to be really important. And I think you might have a, a scenario where you have Michael Penix just lighting that secondary up, uh, like Hayner yeah. did, you know, <laughs> like, and that could be a problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, like I think Washington's a team that I think has some sneaky upside. Um, you know, this season versus where people are, are really thinking they're going to be. Oh, for sure. And l- let's get to them. But um, just just for, for people, like, I don't think a lot of people watch UCLA football. So is there, like, what are a couple players that, you know, these, you know, just some people that, like, your casual fan should be looking out for? I mean, it, I would say, I mean, if it were, if like, in a regular schmegular year, you'd be like, yeah, the t- I mean, look, who, whoever ends up starting at tight end. I wish I had, you know, like um, is is going to be one of your. I mean, we we think it's going to be a Zeke is a Zeke, um, you know, like that's going to be so. I mean, that's absolutely going to be someone to watch. Um, do they try to get Casimir Allen more involved, even if you know both as the maybe the backup back 
or getting him more involved out of the slot. And like you mentioned, like, you know, like they used to play Felton, um, you know, getting around. Um, I would actually keep an eye on left guard, Antonio Maffi. He was, he's a converted over defensive tackle. He was not bad as a defensive tackle. He's pretty athletic for sure. And then the Murphys, wherever they end up playing, um, you know, like I, I think they could be impact players for sure. Okay. Yeah. You hit all mine. Um, that, that was pretty much what I had on my friend as well. The only, actually the only one I'd add is if, if Jay Toya actually steps up, like he could be, he has the yeah. potential to be good. I just, I want to see him get there. Um, all right, let's, let's move to Washington. Another team that's, that's quite fascinating, has a pretty good win total and let's do it right after this. Okay. We're back. We're talking Washington football. Another team that is, is, could be really sneaky good with, with a high ceiling here, Rob. And unlike UCLA has to grind a little bit more to get there. Um, I guess we should start with the quarterback, right? You know, Michael Penix, like here's the, here's the thing. Like, I, I think, I think this is a strength um, for two reasons. The first is if Michael Penix is healthy, you know, he's back in a system that really made him a national name at Indiana when Caleb Doerr is the offensive coordinator there. And then if he falls off, like, I don't think you can look at Sam Heward and his um, approach to that apple cup as like being what he is, right? This is a, this was a five-star blue chip, one of the best recruits in the entire country when he came out as a freshman. Um, yeah. And like he comes here and he was playing behind Dylan Morris. Like I just think between Penix and Heward, you're going to have somebody that's going to be able to have an offense that can actually move forward. Like even Dylan Morris was able to put up points in a John Donovan offense, right? Like imagine if Morris was the quarterback in Kalen DeBoer's offense. Like, I just think you see the production level rise. And I think Morris makes a lot of bad decisions. A, I don't think he's going to be the starting quarterback, but B, even if he is, I do think that I trust, I trust the staff to do a better job with him, putting him in a better position, maybe not to make some of those boneheaded mistakes. What do you think about the quarterback? Well, I think people are completely off their rockers creating Penix where they do. He was terrific at Indiana when DeBoer was calling plays. In fact, that whole Indiana offense was terrific <laughs> with DeBoer calling plays. Um, you know, he was at 68, almost 69% completion percentage, 8.7 per. Um, Peyton Ramsey was also excellent for them. I just, I, I think people are really, I, I think people are really underrating like how bad, Nick Sheridan was as an offensive coordinator for Indiana. And there's a reason he did not have that job this season. Um, now, unfortunately he, he did get hired on Washington staff, but he's not calling plays. Um, I do, you know, and maybe he's better as a position coach, but you like, you so see, you've got Michael Pendix who we're sort of penciling in and, and is a real, real talent. And then you have a bunch of, you know, you've got Dylan Morris and Sam Heward, right? Like it's not as if there's not, as if they haven't recruited talent behind him. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I think everybody's going to benefit from being in a, mo- in a more coherent offense with a better play caller. So that that's the easy one. The one that really makes me, I think it's I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's a weakness to start. That's the running back position. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's a weakness because when DeBoer got there, he had. Cam Davis, Richard Newton, um, and a couple other people, Sam Adams. So I don't think we'll see the field, but, um, 
And he just went, nope. <laughs> he started going into the transfer portal. You know, they got uh, uh, Aaron Dumas, the New Mexico running back. And, like, again, we're talking about our transfers coming over from a, a lower-level conference. Let's see what uh, Dumas is able to do in the Pac-12 behind right. a offensive line that had some problems. Now, I do think that a lot of this, it, a lot of the issues you saw in the running game was scheme. But even, even so, I didn't see any of these running backs that were at – Washington that are still on this roster really step up in any way that showed me like, Oh wow, they're really good. Like I really liked Richard Newton the year before. And then you just didn't see them make any, any steps, take any like moves to really get the, the those extra yards, like the, the, the yards after carry or whatever, or yards after yeah. contact where it's like, Oh snap, that guy's really good. You, you just kind of like, it, it strikes me as, you know, when your little brother is, is running, uh, he's playing Madden for the first time, and he just runs into the line. You know, <laughs> you know, you got to wait for the holes to open up, and uh, I, that that just kind of struck me as this offense. What, what do you think about the running backs? I mean, I do think the the running game will be again will also benefit from having some better coaching. Um, I was a little surprised they kept the offensive line coach. <laughs> so yeah, um, and we've talked about that, but I mean, I think that the you know, I, I think that this 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 offense, like these running backs, are like again, like they're talented, but we haven't seen it. And they definitely brought in, uh, to your point, like they they looked at what they had and they brought in some transfers. I d- I don't think it's it sits currently as a strength of this team. I agree with you. What about the wide receivers? I think this is the the most difficult question of this of this uh, of the Washington team. It is because like. How, I mean, should we grade? Is it really fair to grade these <laughs> to grade these guys off of you know like what we've seen under you know John Donovan? And I don't think it is right. Like I, I mean, like with at least with Penix, like we actually get to see you know like we actually get to see him under some competent leadership, um, and, and that certainly helps, but. Uh, you know, like I, I do think that the, I do think when you go through here, you know, there's certainly there's certainly some talented players. You know, like Jalen McMillan is a really good player who I think is going to you know feature quite a bit more in this offense this next season, um, and I think we should expect him to to get the ball a lot more. Um, you know, yeah, along with like you know Roma Dunza, I'm probably mispronouncing that horribly. Um, you know, but and and they recruited well at tight end too, right? Like, uh, and they, they, you know, I, 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 I think that these guys should be should. I don't, I don't necessarily know that any of these guys are going to make the first team All Pack twelve, um, but I think they're certainly going to be a lot better than what we've seen in the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I think it's a strength, and I think you're going to see one of these make at least the second team, just yeah, just because they're going to have to throw to somebody, and yeah. it's and like. If, if you talk to Washington fans, they're pretty excited about the the core that they have, the wide receiving core, and they had recruited fairly fairly well. I mean, like they bring in um, uh, Lunyata Alexander from ASU, who is a four star player. They had a top fifty recruit in the twenty twenty class. I just think like and, and Taj Davis is still on the roster. Like there are players in this on this roster that should be able. And when when you have a quarterback that can actually throw the ball and a good offensive right. coordinator, I just think that you're going to see. You're going to see a lot more production after this. And and if you're a Pac-12 fan, you have likely had a team with just a god-awful quarterback. 
or like a god awful offensive line coach or uh, offensive coordinator. And it's just like you feel bad for the wide receivers because you're just like no like Colorado fans, right? Like Colorado has brought in an excellent wide receiver, and then they had um, Spencer Lewis. Uh, Spencer Lewis. Anyway, their their quarterback just. It was just kind of a mess, like with with the uh, surprise, surprise, uh, Shiverini calling plays, like you know, and, yeah. and, and those guys leave, and let's see if they're able to explode and play well elsewhere. Um, I think that's the same thing here, but a lot of those players stayed. Now a lot of them left, but I thought it was a deep enough wide receiving room where, where some of these these wide receivers are going to be pretty pretty impressive. Um, what, what do you think? What do you think about the offensive line? I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, here's the thing like, within the Pac 12, like, I don't know that you're necessarily going to get horribly exposed with this offensive line, but I, I has, I, I do, I hesitate a bit to call this like a massive strength of this team. I just don't, I'm, I'm really like, I'm really in the middle on them. Like, I think they'll likely be fine. I think having, a better scheme and play calling is going to help a lot. I think the quarterback should hold the ball less. And I think the run, the wide receivers are going to get open more, but yeah, <laughs> like, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just, I, I think they've got some talented players. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm not sold that it's going to be like some dominant line. Yeah, I, I don't think so either, but I do think that you're going to see some improvement. Now they do keep, like you mentioned the offensive line coach, but I do think that, one of the biggest problems like that I've heard, you know, coming out of uh, the, the Jimmy like disaster was that like the running concepts were really crappy and the, yeah. and the blocking was a pro like was a problem because it just wasn't creative. Like teams knew exactly what Washington was going to do and it just made the offensive line just pretty bad. And then when you take a look, like the one thing that this staff has done fairly well over the last couple of years, maybe not last year, but before that was recruit offensive line. Like yeah. you have your, your top people, right? Your, your, um, Henry Bainavalu, Victor Kroon, Jackson Kirkland come in. And then you have a lot of four stars that are just, you know, and players that have the frame and have the body and have the hands in high school. Now they're in the program for a couple of years and they're all fighting for that center and guard position. And that's like, that's kind of the position you want any program to be in when it comes to the offensive line. Um, I don't know, like the more I'm re- like the more I'm going through this, the more I'm kind of worried if, if I'm a, a, a Pac-12 fan that isn't Washington, that wa- that Washington is going to make a pretty big jump because this offense is going to be really good. Yeah, I look, I mean, Washington's offense created out at 93 last season. Oof. This offense is going to be good. Like this offense is likely going to be a top 25 offense. That's awesome. Like that, that'll be really fun to see Washington really make a statement. Um Let's let's flip over to the defense because this is more where which is so funny, right? Because normally we talk about the defense being the strength of Washington, and then we talk about the offense. But I think it's flipped a little bit here. Um, what, what do you think? What do you think about the defensive line? Oh man, like you, this is this is the question, right? Like this has to be the question yeah. with this team. Um, I mean, this is a weakness. Like this was their weakness last year; they couldn't stop the run. Washington at times was has been running what you would think of as like a two down lineman set, right? Um, and they've been getting away with it because they had absolute monsters playing in the middle, <laughs> guys that are going on getting huge paydays in the NFL. Um, and I don't think that they've rec- like they haven't recruited. Uh, this is like I, I so here's the thing: there's like I I believe they're switching to a four down lineman front. 
I'm just not convinced they have enough bodies and talented players to execute that. Now, look, I mean, if you don't have guys that can play two gap, you should not try that. (laughs) (laughs) So I recognize like maybe moving to a four down lineman front and playing, you know, having guys play one gap is probably a better, you know, use of maybe the guys you have. And there's like, I just feel like, I mean, like there's some guys that are going to be pretty light at the edge, right? Like ZTF, I mean, maybe you're putting in smalls there, you know, like you're, you're talking yourself into like some dudes that are, are, are going to be light defensive ends, even in college. It's funny. I was uh, listening to uh, the Quack 12 podcast and they were talking about, they were talking with G- uh, Gaby Lucas about Seville Smalls and if for, for people that, so Seville Smalls was like a top, you know, what, 15 player. He's a five-star. Um, and and Hifflede doesn't think that he fits this defense at all. Um, so I'm curious to see, like, cause in my mind, I always had him filled in as like, you know, oh, I'll be an edge rusher. I'll be outside lineman. And like, he's kind of in that weird hybrid position where, where he's, he's not too, not big enough, not small enough. And like, so I'm curious to see if he sees the field. Cause clearly a talent in high school, but, um, I totally agree with you. Like I'm looking at this, I'm looking at this. I'm like, oh, they return a lot of people. ZTF comes back. Tuli, Tuli Gasanoa comes back. Um, you know, Vaughn, uh, Tanufi is like, there's just, there's players like Jacob Bandis who's been in the program for a while, but like that was, that was the joke was like, Oh, LOL. You could just run on this defensive line. And it's not like Washington brought in like a all-star defensive team. Like they brought, they brought, like he brought his people with him, right? This is the Fresno state defensive team has come into Washington to play um, a, a weight class above. Let's see if they're able to put it together. I think this is a weakness. I think it takes them a little while to be able to now it might be better, but like if there's one thing that was okay and like you thought maybe, well, like maybe, uh, maybe like Washington's defensive staff could put stuff together to stop the run, but they did have those two high safeties that were like nowhere to be seen, which yeah. if your defensive line isn't very good, <laughs> You know, that's a right. lot of space to cover if you're a safety. Well, I mean, major problem. I mean, like, look, I mean, I think, I mean, they still finished at 25 overall last year on defense because the pass defense was just excellent. But they were gutted, just gutted up the middle, you know, and, and, and you were able to put together drives and, and, and score points against them. Now, they, because of the two high safeties, they still didn't give up big plays. Um, but to your point, like, that didn't do much good because like, you know, they, you could sustain drives against them pretty easily. I just, I'm just not like, I look, I, I think this, this defense will be better than they were last season. I don't think, however, you know, like when I say 25, I just don't think there's a lot of headroom. Like, I think they will be more balanced. I just, and I think that the scheme switch is going to play more to the players that they have, right? Like you don't have a Greg Gaines, like you cannot play this setup anymore. Um, so, I, I mean, I think that that's going to put players in a better position, but I still think that there's holes and I don't think that there's anybody along the defensive line. That's like a true, a true, you know, hand in the dirt guy that you're really, uh, you know, afraid of. Uh, you know, for them, like, I, I think most of the talent on this defense is really probably more comfortable as a, as a rush linebacker. Yeah. And like, you'll hear some of the national podcasts talk about Latui Gasanoa. Like he's fine. He's, he's fine. Like, 
he was the he was the better of the tackles, but yeah. he still, you know, he because I'm hearing his name like in terms of oh, like he, you know, he's great, like he's good. Uh, I, I'm not sold on that. Um, you know, if he was great. If he was great, then why did everyone gut them? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, the linebacking core has long been the complaint of our friend Hithliday in terms of um, the ability of Washington to, to mostly inside linebackers. Yeah, this is main play. So, yeah. So here's here's the question for you, because like once he started pointing it out, I started focusing more on it. I still think Olafosio was pretty good. I think he's really good. I think Hithliday is underrating him. Okay. The the other the other linebacker, um, and I forget who the like, but that was kind of a mess. But like, I thought Olafosio really was able. Like, I, I, I and I, and I really zeroed in on him because because like it was hammered so so much. But yeah, I do think I do think there were, there were problems, but Olafosio I didn't think was a part of it most of the time. Um, yeah. Either way, he's injured, and likely comes back halfway through the year. They bring in Cam Bright, who is the the leading tackler at Pitt and uh, the team captain in 2021. What do you think about the linebacking core? I mean, I like Cam Bright. That Pitt defense is really good. Um, you know, and he's he's been really well coached. I mean, this is what's inter- so interesting about this Washington defense. I mean, in 2019, they spent 70% of their snaps in dying, Right. Like they they basically set themselves up. Now they still like you would still see a lot of linebackers on the field because they had so few defensive linemen on the field, right? Like dedicated defensive linemen. Um, but this defense really played with like a couple of monsters holding down A and B gap, and then you know a bunch of really fast guys and and some maybe less athletic but sure tacklers in the middle. Um, I'm just I'm really interested to see how this shakes out because they're switching to like, look, you're still going to be a nickel a lot like it's the era of the spread offense. But man, who gets on the field and where, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like because like some of these guys you start talking about, like, I'm interested to see Ula Fushio playing as like a traditional linebacker. Right. Um, Now, Cam Bright has that experience and and I think is a really good ad there. but like they're they're they are doing a lot of changes on the defensive back in the defensive backfield. So like I might expect them to be a lot more dime than or I mean a lot more nickel than they were dime. You know, it's just like this is this is this isn't like what has been the what has been the core since Jonathan Smith left to go to Oregon State of holding like the carrying this Washington program is the defense, and that is like I think people underestimate like. This isn't quite like Georgia Tech, like having to retool after running the triple option for a long time, but they definitely recruited to what they were doing. And this is like they're figuring out they're going to figure out how to fly this plane midair. <laughs> hey, remember when Jimmy like picked Bob Gregory as defensive coordinator? Like, what, yes. what the hell is that? Like, it's so stupid. <laughs> we got the guy we need right here. Are you sure you yeah. do, sure you do, Jimmy? Um, yeah, I. I, I think this is a strength because of what the program had gone through the last couple of years. I yeah. think if you get Olafosio back in the middle of the season, you have Cam Bright, um, and, and maybe you find a third guy. I just I just think that like with a normal system that isn't like super quirky, I think you'll find more uh, like a better foundation to start from. 
that doesn't necessarily mean that this defense is going to be good, but I don't know if this is like a glaring weakness as it's been in the past, um, which is a strength, which is a strength for Washington. Yeah. What, so I'm fascinated by the secondary. Yes. Because it's the first time we've like actually watched, looked at the secondary when like, oh no. Uh, what do you think? Yeah. I, uh, I mean, so here's the tough one, right? Like you do instinctively because the Washington secondary has been really, I mean, Jimmy Lake had many, th- was many things, but he was an excellent secondary coach. And so you kind of want to give him the benefit of the doubt, right? Like you gotta be like, Hey, you know, like they certainly have been well coached in the past. These guys got the same coaching. They were really good again last year, you know, like they weren't the problem. Um, but man, like there's some new faces <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, I, I still want to say that this is a, like compared to like I like I think the strongest unit on this defense is probably the linebackers or guys that like you know in a normal defense wouldn't be playing and and would be playing. I mean the strength of this defense is guys that like if they go to the NFL are going to be playing linebacker, right? But I still think like compared to the defensive line, I think the secondary. I feel a lot more comfortable saying the secondary is a strength, right? Like. Um, than I would. I mean, it, like, I mean, it feels scary because you're like, dude, these guys—they're they're just not returning a lot. <laughs> no. So you have like uh, uh, Michelle Powell, who is a preferred walk-on, like, but had a legit offer. But right. but st- like, but I want to see it. Um, you bring in Jordan Perryman, who's an FCS All-American. So that's interesting. You know what is what is he able to do when he mm-hmm. comes in? Um, I, uh, I, I, that's a like you lose Trent McDuffie, you lose Kyler, Kyler Gordon, you lose the, um, the, uh, the nickelback that came over from Oklahoma. Uh, and then like, I think if you were to ask Washington fans about their safeties, they would, they would say they're fine. Like I, there isn't as much trust in Dominique Hampton, Asa Turner returns, or I'm sorry, like, you know, like Hampton could play some weird hybrid thing, but 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 I think you're right. Like they they did recruit exceptionally well here. So right. you know if if the safeties don't work out, there are some people behind them, Julius Irvin, Cam Williams. Like let let's see if they're able to develop. But again, like the worry for me is that you don't have that secondary coach there anymore. Um, but they were coached for a while, and now you bring in a new system. Like I mean, I think there's going to be a drop off. But I agree. I think this will be a strength for the team, but relative where it was last year. And, and years before, like, the, I think you're going to start seeing some wear, you know, like the Roman empire was like pretty strong still for a while, <laughs> you know, and then, right. and then things started to, to you know, fall apart. So I think that's kind of where we're at here. And let's see if this coaching staff is legit in terms of the defensive uh, team that they brought in and whether to bring it up. Uh, well, and they, they were set up in a lot of ways to put a tremendous amount of speed on the field, right? Like not only was the coaching good, um, but they were designed to slow down, passing offenses and take away big plays. I mean, where are the safeties going to, I mean, like my biggest question coming in the next year is like, I mean, they're like, Washington's not going to be playing nearly as much cover two. They're not going to be playing nearly as much deep. Like, how does this work out? Right. Like, do, like where does Washington, cause like Washington's trade off in the past has been, we're not going to give up big plays, you know, and then you had, they had the bodies, and this like in the middle and the speed at the edges to like make it difficult to like grind it out against them last season, that all fell apart, but now they're just going to something totally different. Like yeah. 
you know, like I just, you know, we're, you might turn on the TV next season and you might actually be able like, you know, on the, on, on the TV, you know, view, be able to see the safeties in the screen at the snap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like buzzing them in. Yeah. No, it, it, it'll be fascinating to see what the defense looks like and, and whether or not this, the units are able to kind of put it together and, um, and shift over and learn something new. Uh, anything else on the defense, Rob, before we get into the schedule here real fast? No, no, I think we, we, we've covered it for sure. All right. All right, so taking a look at the schedule here, looks like 7.5 is the win total. Kent State, Portland State, Michigan State, all at home to start the season. What do you think about that non-conference? Well, I mean, like, I think Washington should be favored against Michigan State. Um, I mean, like, Kent State, like, they're going to they're gonna wax them. But Michigan State was pretty lucky last season. You know, I think there's a sh- like there's a chance that they have some regression in the win total. Yeah, I'm not like I think people are too high on Michigan State coming in. I don't think Washington should be an enormous favorite in this game, um, but Washington, I think at home should be. You know, I think you know if they finish even on turnovers, I think Washington you know should win by about seven. A purple out presented by Planet Fitness. So they got that, right. they got that going for them. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I, I'm interested to see what what Washington's able to do. That's a huge game for them, clearly, to be able to turn the corner. Um, you know, what are what are some of the the games here that are going to determine whether or not they they exceed expectations around that seven and a half area? I mean, I mean, I say this because like I'm just going to say this because this is somewhat true of Oregon, but it's definitely true of Washington. Like, man, Stanford has had their number too. Like, I, I feel like Washington, even as Stanford has been on this like massive decline, they still managed to show up and like really upset Washington's apple cart every once in a while. <laughs> um, but I don't like that. You, if you're Washington, you should absolutely win that game. Um, it's UCLA, right? Um, they get Arizona state when Arizona state might not have the wheels off yet. Yeah. And that's, that's a game like, look, I'm just not like Washington's a really good team. I'm just not sure they're, they're going to be good enough next season, like where they can just show up and expect to win. Right. And then I mean, I would say, I mean, like Cal, Oregon state, I mean, there's, there's like, there's there's a lot of these games like I I think Washington's good enough to win versus Cal if they finish minus one on turnovers right yeah um but Oregon State if they're Oregon State could be clicking by the time November rolls around offensively right like you I I feel confident Jonathan Smith will figure out how to score points by then um you know if they struggle with it early on that said like it could really like that could be end up being a shootout <laughs> because like Washington certainly be able to put up points there, but the Oregon game is, is critical. Like Washington has to show more life in the rivalry, I think than they, than they did last season for sure. But there's a lot, I mean like Washington state, that's a tough one, right? Like, yeah, I'm not saying that like, I'm not saying they're I, like, what I'm trying to say there is like, there's not a, like there's some games on here where you're going to look at and be like, oh, Washington is clearly the better team. They should win unless they turn the ball over three times. And like that's Kent State, Portland State, Stanford, Arizona, Colorado. I just left a bunch of games though on that schedule that they're not. If if this was Utah, you look at the schedule and you go, oh, like this is a manageable schedule. 
But like Washington yeah. isn't Utah and you have all these landmines, that Stanford game, UCLA. Like the the problem for them is most of their games they have to go on the road, right? At UCLA, yeah. at Arizona State, at Cal, at Washington State. And then they have that sneaky Oregon State game at home. Like y- you're right. This is if they win if, if they get to eight wins, they're going to earn it in this one. And it sounds kind of silly because we're talking about like teams that are kind of not middling Pac-12 teams, but they're quality Pac-12 teams. Like, you right. know, if, if Arizona, like Arizona goes on the road to uh, Oklahoma State, we're actually not as worried about that game as a lot of people are. Um, UCLA has an offense, you know. Um, right. You know, Cal, I think Cal at home is a problem for a lot of teams that go to Cal. Yeah, it's just, it's it's a weird, it's a weird schedule with some weird quirks in it. And I'm, I'm excited to see if Washington's able to do it. But it is a manageable schedule, if that makes sense. It's not like a, it's not a disaster. They don't get Utah. They don't get USC. Um, you know, they're, that, that, that's very helpful for them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that's critical is like they, they miss the two, you know, real powers in the South um, for sure. Um, but they, I mean, like Washington fans will tell you about the desert dogs, right? And they get to go to Arizona State, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I just, yeah, I, I think that there are some real potent, like, you know, there, there's some real games that they're, they're going to have to win, right? Like, and I, I, I do wonder <clears throat> You know, if Washington were to say, like, because the, the stretch for them that could prove tough-ish, right, is like if they were to drop the game at Cal, right, and then like have another bad week at Oregon State, and then you're facing Oregon, right, like, um, you know, like that could feel like a real back against the wall type moment, right? That that's the one, like. Uh, the, you, there's definitely interspersed in here. You're like, ah, even if they drop to Arizona State, they got Arizona the next week, right? Like, they should absolutely beat the Wildcats at home. But that that stretch with Cal, Oregon State, and Oregon, that, that's probably their, their, their stretch of, like, you know, they need to win two out of three in that stretch for sure. Yeah, don't get in any funks and you're in good shape. Now, now Rob, I know you got to go to dinner here, so real fast, give me a couple players to look out for if you haven't been watching Washington Oh man, I mean, like I, I think, like oddly enough, like, like watch Michael Penix for sure, <laughs> like, um, and I like keep an eye on the wide receiver. Like I can't, like it sounds like weird to say this out loud. Like keep an eye on the wide receivers. Like I think Washington's gonna be fun on offense for sure. Um, like Jalen McMillan, um, you know, uh, is somebody to absolutely keep an eye on, and then on defense. I mean, I, I think Ula Fischio is somebody you should keep an eye on. And I think Cam Bright too. Like, I think that was that was the their really good pickup in the in the portal was Cam Bright. Yeah, and then on my end, just two two quick injury play not plagued players. They they have a history of injuries, but injured players. ZTF coming back. You know, you mentioned Ula Fischio, um, but ZTF comes back full time. You know, on that on that edge, is he able to put it together? And their left tackle Jackson Kirkland, like he was somebody that. I think a lot of uh, Washington fans were excited about being an NFL player. He returns for his sixth year. He could be one of the better tackles in the Pac-12. So keep a look on him. And um, anything you want to plug here, Rob, before we dip out? Uh, yeah, I mean, like I'm retweeting out the you know uh, preview videos, kind of trying to do a countdown as we're like 30 days, less than 30 days into college football. Pretty excited for this. Yeah, I'm just like I'm just I'm I'm so pumped like and 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 the videos have been good. They've been fun to do this year. That's great. And where can people find all your stuff? 
Uh, at sharpcollegefootball.com. Right on, right on. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll get to our next teams uh, next week. And, man, we're hurtling for us. We're going to have some fall camp news coming in soon. Hopefully no injuries. Knock on wood. Um, good luck to everybody's team out there as they put their uh, those pads on for the first time. Very excited. Love all the photos. And we'll catch you next week.